Good morning, Palermo. Good afternoon, New Delhi. And good evening, Bandar Sarah Begawan from Washington, D.C. I'm Ethan Plotkin, and this is Intrigue Out Loud, your go-to audio guide to the globe. On today's show, I'm joined by Intrigue co-founder John Fowler to discuss Canada's escalating diplomatic spat with China and Turkmenistan's world-leading gas leaks. It's all coming up. Morning, John. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Ethan. I'm glad to be back in the in the hot seat uh, answering your questions after a little trip. Yeah, I think the last time we, we talked to you, you were in New York, and then last week you were in, in L.A. Do you have a, a preference for, for which coast is better? Uh, look, I don't want to uh, divide our audience. <laughs> um, I had a good trip out to L.A., and it was nice to see the Pacific Ocean. How about, how about I leave it at that? <laughs> well, you're also in Chicago right now, so maybe we'll slice it right down the middle. Uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's all great. Uh, but, John, first up, we have a story that fits a lot of your interest areas. We're talking about China. We're talking about diplomats. And by God, John, we are talking about something very intriguing. <laughs> it's three for three, Ethan, right right where we like it. The story was uh, cooked up in a lab just for us, right? Um, so the story you're alluding to here, Ethan, is that on Monday, Canada declared a Chinese diplomat in China's consulate in Toronto persona non grata and ordered her to leave the country. Um, in response, China did the same thing and they ordered a Canadian diplomat stationed at the, uh, the Canadian Shanghai consulate to leave by 13 May in what the Chinese foreign ministry called a reciprocal countermeasure. Did this come out of nowhere? I mean, were, were these two diplomats just unpleasant at cocktail parties or something? <laughs> They may, they very well may have been, Ethan. I can't speak to that, but I tell you, if that was the standard, then I suspect you'd see plenty of diplomats all over the world being uh, persona non grata or PNG'd, as I like to call it. Not to be confused with Papua New Guinea'd. Exactly, exactly right. Very, very different. Um, but no, the real reason that Canada expelled China's diplomat is that she was allegedly involved in a campaign in 2021 to punish um, a Canadian lawmaker from the Canadian Conservative Party, a, a guy called Michael Chong. Uh, and he spoke out against China's treatment of its Uyghur minority in the western province of Xinjiang. Chong sponsored a motion uh, in the Canadian Parliament that would have classified what's going on there as a genocide. In response, China sanctioned Chong, um, and they've barred Chinese companies from doing business with him. And I think if that wasn't enough, it seems like they've enlisted, or they did enlist, a diplomat, uh, Zhao Wei, uh, to collect information about Chong's family in Hong Kong, uh, so that he could be reprimanded for his comments and, and they could use his family as kind of leverage. It seems it was all a bit of an effort to deter other Canadian lawmakers from speaking out about the Uyghurs and probably other issues um, that China doesn't want people speaking about, right? I think, interestingly, uh, Canada's spy service has known about uh, this pressure campaign since it started back in 2021. But it wasn't until this week when Canada's leading newspaper published a leaked document that the details of the case became public. And, and from China's perspective, why expel the Canadian diplomat? Well, the Chinese foreign ministry didn't give uh, a particularly satisfactory answer to that question, I don't think. Um, you know, they called the expulsion of Zhao Wei a, uh, an unscrupulous move. And I think the fact that they called, they called uh, kicking out the Canadian diplomat reciprocal countermeasures tells you that the Chinese felt kind of compelled to react in what was most likely sort of a, a tit for tat. Um, you know, this is fairly standard behavior. When a country expels another country's diplomats, the other country normally responds with an equal and opposite reaction. And that kind of is regardless of whether the initial expulsions uh, had any kind of merit, right? Um, 
I also think it's worth noting the foreign ministry, the Chinese foreign ministry's comments to understand just how upset China seems to be about this. Um, On Tuesday, the foreign ministry spokesman said, uh, we advise the Canadian side to immediately stop unreasonable provocations. If the Canadian side does not listen to advice and acts recklessly, China will resolutely and forcefully retaliate and all consequences arising from this must be borne by the Canadian side. So it's uh, it's pretty 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 fiery stuff from the Chinese there. Yeah, to say the least. John, just as an aside, what activities are diplomats officially allowed to engage in? Uh, This is a good question, and it's uh, pretty murky, probably by design, right? Um, I mean, the most basic function of a diplomat is is fairly simple. It's to represent your country's interest uh, abroad. Um, And now you do that by doing things like meeting officials and delivering official messages, uh, attending functions, negotiating trade deals, uh, and supporting your own government's officials when when they visit the country that you're posted in. Not to mention uh, attending cocktail parties. Oh, of course. Attending cocktail parties. That's that's number one on the list, right? (laughs) Um, Yeah. But I think what you're driving at here, Ethan, is that there are perhaps less benign ways to promote your country's interests, right? Um, And as every political drama on Netflix these days seems to show, uh, spies use the diplomats in embassies and consulates as their cover to, one, obviously stay undercover, uh, and two, to retain the diplomatic immunity so that if they're ever caught, the spies, that is, um, they'll be probably sent home rather than arrested, right? And that sounds like what happened here, right? You know, Canada, Canada discovered, if not a spy, at least someone engaging in behavior way outside of what is typically considered the proper role of a diplomat and the best that they could do is expel her. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Um, and, you know, that's that's probably for the best given China would almost certainly reciprocate um, in kind and had Canada arrested the, the Chinese uh, diplomat. We only need to recall the recent cases of Michael Kovrig and Michael Spaver uh, in China for a reminder of that. I, I think it's fair to say that China has been a little bit more brash than, than other countries about using its embassy or its consular staff uh, for covert operations. Uh, we have a couple of examples. In 2019, two Chinese diplomats in the Washington embassy were expelled after they drove onto a secret military base in Virginia, which is, you know, pretty pretty easy way to get yourself caught. And, and they were actually the first expulsions of US-based Chinese diplomats since 1987. Um, and, and, you know, it's not just diplomatic stuff. Last year, the heads of both F of the FBI and MI5, so like the domestic spy-catching agencies in in the US and the UK. Um, they held a fairly stunning joint press conference where they warned about the scale of Chinese spying right around the world. The head of the FBI actually said that his agency was opening a new counterintelligence investigation into China roughly every 12 hours, which is remarkable. Um, and MI5's chief said that there are seven times more investigations into suspicious Chinese activity now than there were in 2018. You know, whether that's because China is spying more or because Western countries are more sensitive to that is a, is a different question. Um, and of course, none of this should be taken to mean that Western countries aren't doing this as well. I think the intelligence leaks from uh, Airman to Shara just a couple of weeks ago proved that fairly uh, conclusively, right? So what, what's next for relations between China and Canada? Well, uh, they've been on the rocks for quite a while now. Um, you know, I, I think things started to get tense in 2018 when China responded to Canada's arrest of um, a top Chinese businesswoman by arresting the two Michaels that I referred to before, Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor. It strikes me that there are actually three Michaels mentioned in this story. Oh, well, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit confusing. The two Canadian Michaels were arrested in, in Canada yeah. in, 20, in 2018. Um uh, and, and on top of that, China actually allegedly interfered in Canada's 2019 and 2021 
federal elections on behalf of the less uh, China skeptical, I guess is the best way to put it, um, Liberal Party. They've also been accused of operating clandestine police stations across the US and Canada, which is behavior that I can't really wrap my head around, um, you know, why China thought it would be able to get away with that kind of stuff. But, you know, I think as as has been the case for many countries in the West um, and, and their relationships with China, the big question here is, does this most recent diplomatic episode represent the flaw for China-Canada uh, relations or can things get worse from here? Today's show is sponsored by HubSpot. Public speaking is no easy feat, but if you can articulate your thoughts and emotions with clarity, that is really powerful stuff. And that's exactly why HubSpot made a brand new business communication guide. It'll help you speak with power and poise in the workplace and win lots of brownie points with your peers. Check it out for free at the link in the show notes. All right, welcome back. Next up, John, we're talking about a, a seriously underreported climate story. Yeah, uh, so th- this story takes us to Turkmenistan, which is a Central Asian country and uh, among the most politically repressive and kind of hermetic countries uh, on Earth. Um, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about its climate contributions at the moment. And, and, and Turkmenistan has, on a per capita basis, among the highest emissions in the world. That's certainly something I didn't realize before we uh, we researched this story. Um, I think the big reason for that, according to the reports that we've been reading, is that um, Turkmenistan has these two massive oil and gas fields that leak millions of tonnes of methane into the atmosphere each year. Last year, for example, these two fields alone leaked the equivalent of 366 million tonnes of CO2. That that sounds like a lot, but that number just doesn't mean anything to right. me. Can you, can you put that into perspective? How much CO2 is that? I'm glad you asked because it didn't mean anything to me either until we had a look. <laughs> uh, but it's a shocking amount is the, is the short answer, Ethan. It's actually more CO2 just from those two gas fields than the entire United Kingdom emitted last year. And that's where the per capita piece comes into play, right? Right, exactly. Uh, Turkmenistan has a little more than 6 million people and, and the UK has nearly 70 million. And the reason these fields are so destructive and are so carbon intensive is because they're leaking so much methane, which is about 80 times more potent as a greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide is. So these leaks happen in a couple of ways. First of all, Turkmenistan state-owned oil and gas companies occasionally get rid of unwanted gas by flaring it, which is, you know, burning it off, uh, or venting it, which means letting it run free into the atmosphere. Um, Both methods are super destructive, uh, but Turkmenistan has been doing a lot more of the latter, venting, uh, because it has been a lot harder to track and it's helped the country avoid international scrutiny. But there's this new uh, satellite technology that has changed that, that we can track it. um, And that's what made the data, which was released by a firm called Kairos, so shocking. Right. So how has the international community responded to this, this new data? Well, uh, Turkmenistan's methane leaks have been a top target for environmentalists for years now um, for a couple of reasons. Firstly, like I mentioned, methane is incredibly potent, so limiting it would be big news for climate change. Since 2021, around 150 countries have signed the Global Methane Pledge, which would require major methane leakers to reduce emissions by 30% uh, by the end of the decade. Turkmenistan supported that pledge, but it hasn't signed it. So getting them on board will be a massive priority um, at this year's UN Climate Summit later this year. 
And the other reason Turkmenistan is a target is because, unlike a lot of emitters, the solution to the country's methane problem is insanely simple. How so? Yeah, I use the word insanely uh, intentionally because besides, you know, eliminating the two ta- practices I told you about, flaring and venting, experts say Turkmenistan could make a huge dent in its emissions by fixing just 29 pieces of aging equipment. 29. Uh, those fixes would save a lot of gas from disappearing and pour a lot more revenue into Turkmenistan's economy. And to me, I don't know, that that seems pretty encouraging, right? I mean, climate change is one of these massive problems that seems like it has no easy solutions and and, and it's so complex. And here we are, we have a solution that is replacing 29 pieces of aging equipment, which uh, I don't know, I bet if we did some searching, we could find a lot of little extra fixes as well that in some could make a really big difference overall. Ah, the rare but all too important encouraging climate change story. Thanks, John. Thanks, Ethan. Here are a couple other stories we're tracking today. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen visited Kyiv on Tuesday to celebrate Europe Day alongside Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. Ukraine has historically celebrated Russia's Victory Day on the 9th of May, but elected to observe the EU's Europe Day this year instead. Mexico's high court invalidated part of President Andres Manuel López Obrador's controversial electoral reform package. The 9-2 vote effectively dismantles the bill, which some members of the president's party now want voters to consider as part of a referendum. And that's going to do it for me. By the way, have you ever invited a friend to a party only to find out they were bringing along another friend that you really don't like? Well, the EU just encountered that very problem and came up with a pretty clever workaround. Check out the International Intrigue newsletter to see what they did. In the meantime, I'm Ethan Plotkin. See you on Friday.